All right, we're going to go fast and quick because Brad Otto's busy. MLC coming to you live. Uh, headed to Jordan Vandermolen in Pella, Iowa. Pella's, uh, Jordan has been bragging to me for several weeks about fight for Trumps out of MAB cows. And by golly, I bought me a half a dozen of them so far, even though I really don't need any because my wife's been raising them so darn good this year. But uh, I'm a sucker. I'm, I'm addicted to this show steer game. And by golly, if, it, if they're good enough, Jordan, I hope you price them low enough that I can afford them. So anyways, uh, Brad, we just had the release of the copper and Matt Popelka Fort Worth story being edged out by the Hereford Steers a couple years back. Uh, you have a unique perspective in this story because you were there live in the flesh for all of us uh, Yankees or Canadians or just there's just a bunch of people. Even though, even though Fort Worth is probably the most highly attended fat steer show in the that I would say only 3% of the of the interested public were there that day. So uh, could you just give a brief synopsis of the day of the calves? Of, I mean, I'm. We're not trying to rewrite history, as I told Matt, but uh, if you could give us a little play-by-play, -play, I mean, your perspective would be a little broader view than the Popelka family that was kind of right in the eye of that storm, eye of the hurricane on that day. So uh, just be as brief or as long as you'd like, and uh, we'll darn sure make sure that it comes through just right. Go ahead, Brad. Anyway, went down there and, and uh, first day uh, took took the show in and went and visited with some people. You know, Tracy done some business with him over the years and, and looked him up at his stall. Cash had a calf there. and It was just kind of sightseeing and watching some classes. And, and uh, I think the first day I seen the calf of Papelka's there in the stall. And, and Luke Doris, who I'm friends with, was working on him and and we were just BSing a little bit. And boy, in the, in the stalls, he looked like a, I mean, he was stout and big, big floppy legged and massive and super haired. Just wondered how he'd look if you get him out, you know, get him out of the stalls. But he dang sure looked like a good one standing in there in the stall. And Just talking about type and kind, Brad. Uh, I mean, you're old school. You want him hog ass I mean, I like and him. big like backs and big backs and big butted and big legged and just as a point of reference, uh, me and you both kind of, it's, we're not, we're not trying to rewrite history. We're just talking right now, but, uh, old, uh, Dave Duello's, uh, American Royal this past fall, he used a purdy one. Whereas maybe if me and you were judging a more atypical Duello type was that, uh, handy steer that goes reserve in the middleweights. And I think personally, the, uh, the, uh, Popelka calf was, Similar to that Henny steer, just in terms of type and kind, uh, being big backed, big assed, and still moved like an old show pony. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, massive. That calf was really, really massive. In fact, uh, if you stereotype Dave Duello's type and kind, the Papelka steer would would uh, line up real well with it. You would think. You bet. Yep. Go ahead. Anyway, we uh, we kind of just had had uh, no agenda other than watch a bunch of cattle show and. RJ enjoys that, and so do I. And and uh, you know he he watched that class, and and I think the calf I sell, you know, and you hear fifth in class or seventh in class when that heater class in Fort Worth, that's not to be ashamed of, you know, just getting. That's like winning the Midwest. That's like winning the Midwest State Fair because that is 
that show is like five or six Midwest state fairs rolled into one. I mean, there's there's a lot of high dollar calves don't get pulled, and and uh, and I know they don't ask a price tag when they come in the ring there, but uh, there's some heat that that uh, don't even get don't even get pulled in them tougher classes, and and uh, you know the calf I sell that ends up bottoms places to Texas home there I think was fifth if I recall, and and that's probably where he needed to be. Uh, because they just were a little stouter up ahead of him, and, and uh, that that one of Papelka's, you know, he he uh, stuck out like a sore thumb, and and uh, and there was some good British cattle, you know. I mean, we, you know, uh, typically you think of in the in things in the South, everybody knows they're different than the North. Uh, you know, there's just a little hot sauce back in them British cattle, or can be a little hot sauce. They don't not, have to not, have set uh, papers, and, not. Uh... Probably not, or most likely not, uh, purebred Hereford steers, but uh, they're classifying sort of steers, and that's just I, part I mean, of the Texas say, game. I would say a very, very high percentage of those cattle that win the British, uh, the British breeds. You know, they've got they've got a little something else in them. Uh, you're an old bull buyer. Me and you need to find ourselves a Hereford influence or a Hereford Mark bull for that Texas market because. That's probably the one area in my 20-year career that I haven't ever dabbled into, and probably I need to stay out. That and a mini Hereford bull. Uh, probably need to find me a, a, a Hereford Mark Texas classifying bull. So if you ever see one out in your SC travels or your SC uh, duties, darn sure give me a buzz. Will do her. So just broad spectrum view. I mean, without – I mean, this is just fun to, to revisit a really – uh exciting and tough decision for mr chris mullinex uh i mean 99 times out of 100 or maybe even 99 999 times out of a thousand you could see champion winning the show if a uh if a hereford breeder judge uh has the reins and he can do what he wants and and he chose to do what he did but maybe even a larger uh, point of interest for me would be that he chose to double them up rather than going with that best uh, exotic class of steers that he'd ever seen winner. And once again, it happened. It's part of our history. I'm not trying to doubt it. It's just interesting to think about the uh, the thought process behind doubling them up with Herefords uh, rather than going with that best calf ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, those breed steers were very, very good. I mean, I think there was arguments maybe that there were some guys like some different breed steers, and that's what makes the world go around, you know. And I guess I I can't yeah. speak for Chris Mullinex, but I would say uh, if a guy had been doing this for a while and, and you were going to the tote board to place a bet going into the final drive there, I'd say it would have been pretty heavy on an old black hairy calf there that – uh, I like to, I like to break, I like to bet on some ponies every now and again. I'm I'm getting ready to watch that second second of three triple crown races. I hope that second horse race is just as entertaining as the first. Yep, yep. That's that was kind of <laughs> what a neat did you, story. What did you think of my uh, horse race announcing, Brad? Probably need to just stick with I'd the show say, cattle, don't I'd I? Say, uh, I'd say I'd I'd take early retirement out of that deal if I were you. <laughs> You betcha. I think 99.999% of this audience agrees with you. So, uh, anyways, just uh, finishing up, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess what did uh, RJ 
RJ, you know what I'm thinking. Where's my No Guts, No Glory Monopoly steer at? What did RJ think of the show uh, afterwards? Or oh, what did he I mean, think? We, we had a good time, and he he, he enjoys seeing good livestock just like just like i do and and like i said we had no agenda and i guess it sure caught us off guard and and i'm not saying that that it was right wrong or otherwise because we wasn't the judge that day but but it was probably sure uh sure surprising how things shook out but but uh it is it is what it is and and he was the man with the microphone that day and and they mm-hmm. like i said i'm not taking anything away from the herefords because they did they were very, very unique for for their division, and and uh, and I thought the black steer was was uh, a standout in the exotics, and, and you know you just yep. trying to we we try to show show at a fairly high level, and if you would ever stumble across one like that, and you you went to the show, you'd sure feel pretty confident when when you had you one bet. like that, and and they don't come around very often, and the work that goes into it to get them fresh and to get the hair right and to get them clipped and, and to yeah. get them 12 o'clock at show day. And it's just about like that old jockey timing that horse to, to, sure. to uh, win that race. Turn them loose on that home stretch. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I think this has been an awesome discussion and uh, I mean, I guess uh, on these major interviews like the Ryman deal or this Popelka where they're a little longer form. It's, it's nice just to have a brief discussion afterwards to uh, hit the highlights and get some secondary views of what happened. And uh, I think uh, this, this format's going to last long before I give this podcast channel away. I mean, it's pretty neat to discuss some of the all time greatest shows in our industry and then to review uh, within industry professionals people that are actually doing it for a living uh it's fun to go i would i would encourage anybody from the midwest that can get away for a few days to be able to drive down and and uh and i'm not taking anything away from the number of cattle in the midwest uh but you know getting back to numbers on the what they call exotics or crossbreds i think there's 12 classes and and they would average probably 75 head a class, somewhere thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think know, early in the interview, I asked uh, Matt if it was five or 600, and that arithmetic would be more between I 750 would, to 1,000. Right, because they kind of break them down uh, the same amount of numbers within reason uh, on each class. So I would have to think it would be more like eight, 900, somewhere thereabouts. Yeah. But, uh, yep. But you a lot betcha. of kids, a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of cattle in the state of Texas, and and uh, that they, I was glad we went down there, and I'd like to do it again sometime. As a takeaway from this show, I mean, uh, it maybe seems a little cliche esque to say this, but uh, it's just awesome that Matt Popelka, who is a lifer in the industry, but they're an underdog story. I doubt they're giving the. I'm not even going to mention numbers, but I doubt they're giving that extra premium for their cattle. I know that you and your family, Brad, have competed at the highest levels. You almost, uh, you class there in Denver and nearly had reserve overall a few years back. Uh, I mean, the point is, I want people to take away from this story that no matter what's your background or if you think it takes a big name to win, I mean, Matt Popelka was there, and just simply winning the exotics at Fort Worth should get you revved up for the 2023 Fort Worth because uh, 
everybody's got a shot. This is unlike any other business in the world. You don't have to have Dan Marino as your quarterback. You don't have to have uh, Tom Landry as your coach of the Tex of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it's just a truly unique business. And whether you uh, spend $1,000 or $20,000 or $100,000, you really just got to do the work year long, else you're not going to get where you want to go. So I guess uh, that would be all that I got for uh, this this episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, anyway, I just, I'd never been to the Fort Worth Stock Show and heard all the stories and 70, 80, 90 head in the class and and uh, you got to make a lap, and hopefully you're the one, 12 or 15 or 20. They pull in the center in place, and the, the uh, what do they call it, uh, the walk of shame if they if they don't get pulled. But mm -hmm. So just wanted to see it. RJ uh, said to me one day, he said, let's go down to Fort Worth Stock Show. And, and I said, well, heck, let's go, go ahead. And so we did. I'd sold a calf that September. Uh, that was maybe holdoverish sized. Luke Doris had bought him. Sold him to a family of his from Minnesota, and uh, Keaton kind of helped them guys do a little jackpotting that spring. In fact, bought him to a couple of Iowa shows, and that calf got to look really good. And maybe Bonham catches wind of that, and uh, Bonham ends up buying that calf and sends him, sells him to one of his Texas homes. So I had some interest in just seeing how he looked, of course, and. And uh, yeah. that calf did look yeah, good. Just to uh, just to tell the full story, I had I had misremembered uh, which calf it was. I'd, you had sold one for real good money a year or two previous to the calf we're talking about. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that you uh, updated that because that's what these podcasts are good for. We can get up to the minute updates whenever I f stuff up. And and uh, as Kevin Mears has proven, I do that a lot. So so thank you for not muting me, Kevin. <laughs>